seated. Thank you for being here uh, in worship with us today. I know we have a number of guests who are here uh, with us today, some grandparents and aunts and uncles who all came to, to see me, <laughs> and granddaughters and grandsons and nieces and nephews as well. So we are so grateful you are here. When you came in, you should have received a bulletin. And on the back of that bulletin, uh, you will find a message map that will help you and guide you as we go through today's message. We are in uh, the next to the last message in a series on the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. We've been in this series uh, this entire fall, and today we are looking at chapter 22 of 1 Kings. Uh, we will go through most of the chapter um, in this message, but I want to begin by reading the first five verses. So if you've got a Bible with you, you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 22. Uh, we will read verses uh, 1 through 5 uh, before we dive into the message. Uh, this will be on the screen for you as well. Here's what we read. For three years there was no war between Aram and Israel. But in the third year Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel had said to his officials, don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram. So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First, Seek the counsel of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are so incredibly grateful for your goodness to us. And one of the ways that you are good is you give us your word. You give us instructions on how to live. You give us what is true. And so, Father, we pray that as we read your word now that you would open our minds and that you would open our hearts so that we might learn and apply what you would have for us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this past week, my wife, uh, Katie, spent a couple of afternoons doing what has become a Christmas tradition for us, um, and that is making various Christmas treats. Um, one in particular that she makes, she calls Christmas bark. I call it Christmas crack. <laughs> one bite and you are hooked. I do not know the exact formula uh, for this Christmas bark, but I think it is melted chocolate, melted caramel, lots and lots of sugar, sea salt, pretzels, and a dash of opium. <laughs> I, after eating this stuff, I actually have sympathy now for people who struggle with drug or alcohol addiction. I get that feeling of, I know it's bad for me, I know I shouldn't do it, but I don't care. I want it right now. That's how I feel about this stuff. My guess is you understand that feeling, especially this month. During the month of December, we all eat like it just does not matter. In fact, December, typically, we will eat like Jesus is coming back at the end of this month, and so what if we have 10 extra pounds? Doesn't matter. The Bible says I'll get a brand new resurrected body. So if this one gets fat, who cares? 
So if Jesus does come back at the end of this month, great, no problem, we are fine. However, if Jesus chooses to not make his glorious return, in 13 days, a lot of us are going to make New Year's resolutions. And I bet, I just bet, most of those resolutions will center around food or exercise, maybe quitting some bad habit. We will make New Year's resolutions that we believe will help our lives to be better. We want to make decisions where they are good decisions and life will be better as a result. That's what we're talking about today as we look at the book of 1 Kings, uh, this particular chapter 22, this next to last message in this series. You can see at the top of your message map that I've entitled it, How to Make Really Bad Decisions. I almost entitled this message, How to Wreck Your Life, because that is exactly what we see King Ahab doing. If you've been here with us for this series, this is not the first time you've heard the name King Ahab. He was king over the northern kingdom of Israel for 22 years, and he was the most evil king in Israel's history. In fact, in chapter 21, we read that there was never anyone like Ahab. All the kings over Israel were bad, but Ahab did more evil than any other king over Israel. He worshipped Baal. He brought the worship of Baal and another fertility god named Asherah into the nation of Israel. He built temples for Baal. He encouraged the Israelites to worship Baal. He even put to death the priest and the prophets of God. While all the kings who ruled over Israel were evil, somehow Ahab managed to surpass all of them. And yet, if, if you were here with us last week, you saw that even for evil, awful Ahab, that God reached out his hand of goodness and mercy, giving him opportunity after opportunity to repent. But Ahab didn't. He refused. Over and over again, God reached out his hand of mercy, but Ahab refused to follow the Lord. He refused to follow God's commands. And so here in the last chapter of 1 Kings, in chapter 22, we will see how things just do not end so well for Ahab. Ahab made bad decisions pretty much his entire life, and he was faithful to that bad decision-making right up to the end of his life. So here's the bottom line for this morning. If you want to wreck your life, if you want to completely destroy your life, then all you have to do is to make decisions like Ahab did. What were those decisions? You can see them on your message map. Here's number one. If you want to wreck your life, if you want to make really bad decisions, then try to fix stupid with stupid. Now, I know, I know I should not use the S word there, and I do apologize. And kids, listen, we do not ever use that word to describe a person. I'm using that word to describe a really bad decision. And to emphasize the point here, when you make a bad decision, the last thing that you want to do is to try to fix that decision with another bad decision, which is exactly what King Ahab did. Chapter 22 opens with a description of the king of Aram occupying this town named Ramoth-Gilead. 
Ramoth Gilead belonged to Israel. It, it should have been a city that they occupied. It was located on the east side of the Jordan River, uh, just, just east of Israel at this point. And this is not the first introduction that we have had to the king of Aram. Last week, if you were here with us, we read about this king where God told Ahab to go into battle against this king who was trying to destroy the Israelites to go into battle and God said I will give you victory and God and Ahab went into battle and God gave him not one but two miraculous victories over a much stronger army uh, Israel with his tiny little army went in and destroyed the Aramean army and God said I want you to wipe them out and I want you to wipe out the king of Aram but Ahab didn't do that Ahab specifically disobeyed the Lord and he not only allowed this king to live but he embraced this king he befriended this king and he allowed the king of Aram to go free then three years go by and the king of Aram has been able to return to his homeland and he has been able to rebuild his forces and now this king has taken over this city called Ramoth Gilead right on the border of Israel and he is knocking on Israel's door ready once again to go to battle against Israel and to destroy that nation. Let me just say parenthetically here that all the events that we have heard about in Israel over the past weeks and months have been going on for thousands of years. And anyone who wants to criticize Israel for the way they respond to terrorists needs to take just a moment and walk in their shoes. No other nation on earth has faced that kind of hostility for this long. To be surrounded on three sides by nations that want to wipe you off the map all the time for centuries and centuries to criticize them for responding to these threats is, I would say, just take a moment and try to imagine how they feel every single day. I'll leave it at, at that for now. We could go a long time on that topic. So back to the text. Ahab made this awful decision years ago. I mean, he specifically disobeyed the Lord. God said, I want you to kill this king. If you do not, he will come back, and he will try to kill you again. And that's exactly what happened. He let him go free. Here he is once again returning. He's got troops ready. They're ready to invade Israel. And then, before uh, they invade, the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, comes to visit the king of Israel. The text that we read earlier said the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, goes down to visit Ahab. And it's always confusing to us uh, when we read that because we see the king of the southern kingdom going down to visit the king of the northern kingdom. We think that doesn't make sense. It's because you and I think of travel in terms of a compass. We think of travel in terms of north, south, east, west. So we say we're going up to Atlanta, we're going down to Florida going over to Alabama, we're going over to the beach. We think in terms of a compass. Biblical writers thought in terms of elevation. It is why in the New Testament, when you read about individuals going up to Jerusalem, they always go up to Jerusalem, no matter which direction they're coming from. 
Why? Because Jerusalem sat and sits 2,500 feet above sea level. Anyone going to Jerusalem went up to Jerusalem. Here, King Jehoshaphat, traveling from Jerusalem, goes down, even though he's going north, goes down to the northern kingdom to visit Ahab. And he gets there, and here's what happens in verse 3. The king of Israel had said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth-Gilead belongs to us, and yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram? Again, parenthetically, because of your decision, Ahab, because of your mistake, that's why you're facing this situation. Verse 4, so he, so he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth-Gilead? Now here's what you have to keep in mind. Unlike Ahab, Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was a good king who sought the Lord. And if you are in town next weekend, please come on Sunday morning at 1030, and we will wrap up the series with a short message on King Jehoshaphat, and we will tie that into the Christmas story and the coming of the King of Kings. So this enemy is knocking on Israel's door, and Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, Hey, while you're here, since you're visiting, can I ask you something? Since you're here, do you mind? Can you bring your troops? And can we go into battle? Can we fight against the Arameans? Now, as we will see in just a minute, this was a really bad decision. Three years earlier, when Ahab went into battle against the Arameans, God had said, I want you to go. I want you to fight. You will be victorious. This time, God is not telling him to do that. And this was a bad decision. And it was a bad decision in part because what Ahab was doing was he was trying to fix an earlier bad decision with this really bad decision. If you want to wreck your life, here's how you do it. Try to fix stupid with stupid. Try to fix a bad decision with another bad decision. Tell the lie, and then tell the other lie to cover up that lie. Shred the documents. Fix that bad decision with other bad decisions. It, this reminds me of those old uh, cop reality shows. You remember those? Bad boys, bad boys, what you're going to do? You remember those shows? And, and they would always show the cops going into some drug house to bust to bust up the drug ring, and what would you see? Every time, they would always run out the back door. The criminals would run, knowing there's going to be cops back there. You're just adding to the charges that will be filed against you. Resisting arrest will add a few more years to the time that you're going to be in jail. You're trying to fix one bad decision with another bad decision. So if you want to wreck your life, step one, try to fix one bad decision with another. Step two, you can write this in on your message map. If you want to really, really make bad decisions, then do not seek the Lord. In anything you do, do not seek what God wants you to do. Look back at verse 4. It says, Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First, seek the counsel of the Lord. So here we see that the 
king of the southern kingdom, Jehoshaphat, initially agrees with the request of Ahab. Why did he do that? Well, because the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom were at one point one people, one kingdom. And they were still united in so many ways. They were allies. And so when he says to Ahab, hey, I'll be with you, it's because there is a kingdom coming against you and we are allies and so I will fight against you. But Jehoshaphat adds this line, hey, shouldn't you seek the advice of the Lord first? Shouldn't you seek the Lord on this matter? Which for Ahab was the last thing on his mind. He wasn't interested at all in what God wanted him to do. Only what he wanted to do. We make decisions all throughout the day, and I know it is not practical every single time to stop and say, okay, before I make this decision, I've got to go and pray, and I've got to seek the Lord, and I've got to find out if this is what God wants me to do. However, as this old pastor friend of mine once said, you might not be able to pray before every decision, but you can be prayed up when you do make that decision. One of the prayers that I pray almost every day of my life, when I get up in the morning and I have my quiet time, one of the things I pray for is wisdom. The Bible says that, that if we ask for wisdom, that God gives it freely, and so I'm holding God to that promise. And every day I say, Lord, whatever decisions I'm facing today, please give me wisdom to make the right decision. Now, if you want to wreck your life, don't do that. Don't ask God for wisdom. Do not seek the Lord on anything, and you will absolutely wreck your life. Just do what you want to do. Just go and do and act without ever considering what God wants you to do. Step three, if you want to mess up your life, you can surround yourself with yes men or yes women. Either will work. doesn't matter. Surround yourself with those who agree with you all the time. Look at verse 6. So, so the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hands. And here's what you have to understand. These so-called prophets who came in and met with Ahab and Jehoshaphat, they were not true prophets. They did not serve the Lord. In fact, they served King Ahab, and they only wanted to tell King Ahab what he wanted to hear. And Ahab here only wanted to hear one thing, and that was, if I go into battle, I will be victorious. Now, in part, Ahab likely really, really believed this. Because three years earlier, he faced the Aramean army, and he won even though there were just a few thousand Israeli soldiers, and the Arameans had 127,000 soldiers. And yet not once but twice, he defeated that army. And so likely at this point, King Ahab thinks, there is no way we'll lose. I mean, three years ago, we whipped them. Now we're stronger. Now we have built a much bigger army. The king of Aram, he has rebuilt his army, but it's not anything like it once was. And I've got Jehoshaphat. I've got the southern kingdom. I've got their army as well. Why would we not win this 
battle. King Ahab just assumed that they would be victorious, honestly, with or without the Lord's help. And so here he just thought, well, I don't, I don't need to check with the Lord. I just need to go into battle. So he calls these so-called prophets in, and they tell him exactly what he wants to hear, which is, go into battle. You'll be victorious. If you want to wreck your life, here's what you need to do. Surround yourself with people who will tell you only what you want to hear. In fact, let me phrase it this way. If you want to wreck your life, surround yourself with people who are more interested in your approval than what is good for you. If you will do that, you will wreck your life because they will never be honest with you. They will never point out any blind spots that you have. They will only tell you what you want to hear. Number four, if you want to wreck your life, you can write this in. Quickly dismiss advice you don't like. If you want to wreck your life, just dismiss any advice, any instruction that you do not like. So at this point in the story, we are introduced to a prophet named Micaiah. Uh, there were 400 so-called prophets of the Lord who all told Ahab what he wanted to hear. They said, go to the city, go fight, that'll be fine. Jehoshaphat listened to these 400 prophets, and he thought, wait a second, this is not right. Something's not right here. I don't think they're speaking for the Lord. Ahab, I think they're just telling you what you want to hear. So Jehoshaphat turns to Ahab and says, hey, is there not a real prophet we can ask? And Ahab says, yeah, there's one. <laughs> I don't like him. He always tells me what I don't want to hear. So somehow Jehoshaphat manages to convince Ahab to bring in the prophet that he doesn't like. Now, this prophet named Micaiah. We really know very little about Micaiah outside of this passage and another passage in uh, 1 Chronicles that's basically a parallel to this story. What is known is that he was faithful to God even in the face of tremendous pressure to compromise. In fact, one of the prophets tells Micaiah before he goes in, hey, Ahab wants to go into battle. And all 400 of the other prophets have said, this is good. The Lord wants you to go into battle. You will be victorious. So Micaiah, you'd better sing the same song. I, I can't imagine that kind of pressure. I can't imagine being invited to the White House to give advice to the president, whoever the president is, and being one of 400 pastors who have been called in to give advice and to say, this is what the Lord wants you to do. And before going in, one says, hey, by the way, 400 other pastors have all said, yes, go and do this thing you want to do. You better give the same advice. I can't imagine then going in and going, nope, nope, God does not want you to do this. I mean, I think I would lose that invitation to spend the night in the Lincoln bedroom you know, if I went in and did this. I just can't imagine the pressure. And so Micaiah goes in, and at first, he tells Ahab exactly what Ahab wanted to hear. Go and be victorious. Go and fight. You will have success. Of course, go into battle. And evidently, he says it with just sarcasm dripping from his lips. 
Because Ahab then turns to him and says, Look, tell me the truth. Don't tell me what you just think I want to hear. Tell me the truth. Then Micaiah responds like this. Go to verse 17. Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, These people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? Here Micaiah tells him the truth, but he doesn't like it. And he dismisses it. See this rascal? All he does is say bad things. He never tells me anything good. Ahab heard this advice of Micaiah, and it may not have been what he wanted to hear, but it was what he needed to hear. If you want to wreck your life, here's what you do. Ignore and dismiss any advice that you do not like. If you're younger in here, that means ignore the advice of your parents or ignore the advice of your teachers. Or if you're in student ministry, just dismiss whatever it is that Pastor Chris tells you to do. Let it go in one ear and just write out the other. Or your small group leaders. Any advice that comes from someone who is a good, godly person, if you want to wreck your life, here's what you do. Just ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And if you do that long enough, I promise you that you will be successful in wrecking your life. Finally, number five, and you can write this one in. If you want to wreck your life, if you really want to make bad decisions, then go forward with your plan anyway. Regardless of what people tell you, regardless of all the advice that you get, if you really want to do it, just go for it and do it anyway. Look at verse 29. By the way, Micaiah here has said, if you go into battle, it's going to be bad. You're going to lose. It will be really bad. Verse 29. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. That means they went into battle anyway. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Ahab was an absolute rascal. I, I don't know how he convinced King Jehoshaphat to do this, but somehow he did. He said to the king of Judah, You wear your royal robes, so everyone will know that you're king, but I'm going to go disguised as just a common soldier. Why would he do that? Because he knew that in battle, if you can take out the leader, if you can take out the top general, or better yet, you can take out the king, what does that do? It demoralizes the army. And the army will scatter if they look, and their king has been killed. And so King Ahab says, you go in as king, meaning they're going to target you. I'm going to go in as a common soldier. We have no idea why Jehoshaphat agreed to this. I, I, I'm not sure why he would say, okay, I'll wear the royal robes so the enemy will know that I am the king. I, I think Jehoshaphat was a really good king, but maybe he was just a little bit naive to agree to go into battle. However, here's what you need to know. The Lord was in complete control of everything. The text tells us that the Aramean army initially went after Jehoshaphat. He's the king. Then suddenly they realized that he was not the king over Israel, that he was the king over Judah. 
And so they turned, and Jehoshaphat was able to escape. But then it tells us that a soldier of the Aramean army took his bow, and he pulled back the bow, and he fired an arrow up into the air at random. And that arrow traveled up into the sky, and it fell to the earth, and it just happened to hit, of all people, King Ahab. And not only did it hit King Ahab, but it hit him between the sections of his armor. Look at what verse 34 tells us. It says, But someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king told his chariot driver, Wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. What we learn about later is that he was mortally wounded. That before the sunset, King Ahab died. Ahab may have fooled Jehoshaphat. Ahab may have fooled the Arameans. Ahab may have even fooled the Israelites. But Ahab did not fool the Lord. And at the end of the day, God was completely in control of events. And he reached out his hand of mercy over and over and over again to Ahab. And Ahab rejected and rejected and rejected. And God had finally had enough of king, stiff-necked Ahab. And he said, that's it. And Ahab had his plan where he would be able to live. And a soldier fires at random. And just coincidentally, it comes down and it hits this soldier. And it just happens to land in between the sections of his armor. And King Ahab died. If you want to wreck your life, then just go forward with your plan anyway. Two things as we close. One is this. There is this phrase that I have said to my children thousands of times. In fact, you can go up to any one of my kids and you can say the first part of this phrase and they will complete the phrase. Here it is. The decisions you make today determine the life you live tomorrow. The decisions you make today determine the life you live tomorrow. And if you're on the younger side in here, that's what you need to hear today. Because maybe you haven't felt the burn of bad decisions. You haven't really felt like what it's like to wreck your life. Maybe you think like Ahab, you can get away with it. Maybe you can fool everyone and you won't get caught. You won't get burned. Your life won't be wrecked because of those decisions. Here's what you need to know. The decisions you make today will determine the life you live tomorrow. The decision you make at the party today will determine that hangover you experience tomorrow. The decision that you make with him or her today will determine the regret, the pain, and the shame that you experience tomorrow. The decision you, decision you make with that credit card today will determine the high interest rate you pay tomorrow. This is just true in life. You can say, I don't believe it. I don't like it. It doesn't matter. This is just a true reality of life. The decisions we make today determine the life that we live tomorrow. And when you make foolish decisions, you will suffer as a result. Here's the other thing. There's, there are a number of us in here, and we understand this principle. In fact, we don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to listen to a preacher to know it. You just know it. You've felt the pain. You've experienced what it's like to make really bad decisions and then to experience the consequences of that. Here's what you need to know. If you feel like that you have wrecked your life, you need to understand that as long as you have breath in your lungs, 
there is always the opportunity to repent and to return to the Lord. It can never be so bad. You can never go so far that God does not extend his hand of grace and mercy and say, come back to me. And God is so gracious and so good. And there have been so many times in my life that I've made decisions where I've thought this is it. I have blown it and God has said, no, here's my hand of grace and mercy. And maybe today, maybe this Christmas season, that is what you need more than anything else, to reach out and to grab that hand of God's mercy and to say, I am returning to you, I am repenting, and I want to return to you. And God, here's the wreck, here's the mess, here's everything that I've done. God, you take it, and you do with it what you will. Maybe that is you today, and today you need to come back to the Lord. 